Can I say, I've, just, I've been a little bit emotional this morning, obviously with Cole being baptized, and um, not many people know what my sermon is going to be. In fact, I, with the exception of probably lovely and talented Barbara, um, maybe Dave and Elizabeth a little bit too, um, God's just been confirming the message today. By what Craig Jones had to say, and what Jeremy had to say, so I'm just like crying. So I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm literally shaking, and it's not because of caffeine. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but today it's not. So um, today's sermon is about is called "Good Prophet, Bad Prophet." And where that comes from is, over the years, with Jeremy and I, I've, I've told Jeremy, we are good pastor, bad pastor. And, and that comes from good cop, bad cop. You've, you've seen the shows. You have the good cop and bad cop. You have the bad cop yelling at the person who's been arrested. You're going away for life. You're in a bad... And then the other cop's like, hey, you want some coffee? You know, if you if you confess, it might go easy on you. So you have what's known as good cop, bad cop. Now, doesn't mean that there's actually a bad cop. It's just someone who's speaking direct truth, and then the other person's like, "Hey, I'm your friend." And so when Jeremy and I preach, a lot of times I can, because Jeremy will hit you with truth. I mean, he will. And there's no disputing that. And then sometimes I get up here and I kind of, let's just say I'm a little bit more encouraging at times. Now, there's other times Jeremy will just be super encouraging up here and I go, man, i got to be the bad pastor now. i got to get up there and, and blast. But the, the thing is, both of us, as pastors of this church, are trying to speak the truth because we're speaking God's word. Okay? Sometimes we come off. But, and the reason being is because Jeremy and I have two different personalities. We have completely different personalities. And that's, I think that's a good thing. And so, today we're going to talk a little bit about Haggai and Zechariah. Because it's a, it's a little bit... Good prophet, bad prophet. Now, they're both great prophets, but there's a good prophet, bad prophet here. And let me just give you an example. But first, let's look at a couple of maps, if you don't mind. Let, let, me, <laughs> let me set the tone here, because both Haggai and Zechariah are what's known as post-exilic prophets. Okay? And that's just a big term to talk about these were prophets that ministered spoke to the remnant that had returned back to Jerusalem so it was post exile post exilic okay now there's one more Malachi we'll get to him too but not today <laughs> but so let's see how everybody got this way so let's look at the first map okay so, 
You have Palestine area right here. So on the southern part here where Jerusalem is, is what's known as Judah. Okay, And then up here, the northern tribes is known as Israel. Now, during the time we were doing all the prophets, you had prophets that talked to Israel, and you had prophets that talked to Judah. Sometimes they talked to both, think Hosea, but during the early part of the deportation time, Israel gets taken, and Assyria is the one who takes them back to Assyria. See the word Nineveh right there? Okay, that was the capital city of Assyria, and they come down here, and they took all of Israel. Then, the Babylonians took over the Assyrians, and then, about a hundred years later, Babylon comes over and takes Judah, and takes them back. Now, the interesting part is, this little orange line right here on the bottom, the, the Assyrians, when they were in charge, they took people from here and they placed them in the space where Israel used to be. And that is why when you get to the New Testament, the, the, the Jews that were left and the people from Babylon and the Fertile Crescent area intermingled, intermarried. And so that's why when they talk about the Samaritans, they're known as half-tribes, and they, there's, they despise them, okay? So that's why there's that, that rub. And that, so if you didn't know that, then you wouldn't understand when Jesus talks to the woman of the well. And she talks about, hey, we can worship here. Why do you have to go to Jerusalem? And Jesus diffuses it by saying, well, there's going to come a time where you'll be meeting with God everywhere. He's like, she said, well, I'm waiting for the Messiah. And he goes, boom, I'm it. Of course, this is my translation, but <laughs> all right. So now let's go to the second map. That's a bit clearer here. Okay, so after Babylon right here falls to the Persians right here, Cyprus tells them they can go back, and so the first group come back. And they take this route, the green route, they come back here in Jerusalem. This is the group that contains Sheshbazar and Zerubbabel. Then there's another group that comes back about, look, you have 538 to 515, 557. So roughly a, a big difference in time. And this is where Ezra and Nehemiah come. And they both end up in Jerusalem. Okay, So you've got these groups here that are now centered in Jerusalem. And the first time Zerubbabel comes, guess what? He gets to be governor. When, and then he gets called back later. And then Nehemiah gets to be the governor of this region right here. And so these prophets are talking to the remnant that have actually returned. Okay, so then you have Haggai, and Jeremy did a great job talking about Haggai, talking about the stuff going on. Then this week, in a series of three weeks, we're going to read Zechariah. Okay, and they're they're the same message, but different. Good prophet, bad prophet. And here's a good example. Okay, this is Haggai talking to two guys. Okay. First of all, Zerubbabel, 
who's in the line of Jehoiachin, he's actually, he has the right to be the next king of Israel, but of course, that would not go well with the Persians, so he becomes governor. And for Cyrus and, and, and Darius to be able to let someone who's in the line of the kingdom to actually be have some authority over there is a God thing. That's a crazy God thing. All right? And then Haggai also talks to Joshua, the high priest, son of Jehoshaphat. If, if you look at Ezra and Nehemiah, he's talking about Yeshua, same guy. Okay? Both Joshua and Yeshua mean the same thing. God of salvation. All right? So, here's what Haggai says about him. And this is Haggai chapter 2, 1 through 5. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. To Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people, ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So, to sum all this up, Haggai, a word of the Lord, speaking to Zerubbabel and Joshua, I'm with you, don't fear. That's his message. I mean, straightforward. God's with you, don't fear. Boom. Now, let's look at Zechariah. First of all, chapter 3. It's only 10 verses anyway. Then he showed me, this is a vision. By the way, when we look at Zechariah for the next three weeks, Zechariah has a series of visions. And generally, it goes like this. He has a vision, some angel will go, what do you see? And he tells him what he sees. You know what it means? No. Well, then tell me. That's basically what happens in these, there's eight visions in this. And then today, in this week's reading, we actually, there's five of them already. So, this Zechariah chapter 3 is the fourth vision. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. 
Listen, high priest Joshua, you and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua? There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty. And I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Okay, this is not a simple message like Haggai. God is with you. Don't fear. This is, okay, Joshua. Do you remember all the prophets before in pre-exilic time when you tell them one of the designations, one of the indignations that the prophets had were for the priest because they were saying the wrong things and they were distorting God's word and they were in it for themselves. And now the next high priest, Joshua, who's in the line comes and he's now been shown that he has been cleansed of his sins so that he can serve and even more so to live in obedience so that his line will come and be there when the branch shows up. And let me tell you who the branch is. Jesus. So not only does he encourage Joshua, but he says this is something that's going to go on for a long time. And this is going to be something in place. In place when I come down. I think that's encouraging. It gives him something. Okay, I've been cleansed. I've been given a charge by the Lord God Almighty to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, how many of you would say, I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do. I have a lot of people tell me, I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do. I say, do you remember the last thing he told you to do something? They say, yes, did you do it? Uh, no. Well, then why would he give you something else? But you know what? There are times in my life when I've been like, I'm not sure what, what, what to do. But when, I made, when God made it evidently clear that I needed to step into that, talk about encouragement. Man, I just... Blast! All right! I know this is God, what God wants me to do. Just like today's sermon. I'm like, okay, God, this is going to be something. I don't know if this is from you or from me. And all of a sudden, these guys get up and start saying something. I'm like, okay, go preach it, brother. And this is what Zechariah is able to do to Joshua. Now let's look at Zechariah 4. We go from Joshua to Zerubbabel. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up. Like someone awakened from sleep, he asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other in its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my lord, he replied. 
So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, he said, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Oh my gosh, another encouraging message from Zechariah to Zerubbabel. Tell him, man, the mountains aren't going to be in your way. And you not only are you laying the foundation, but you're going to complete it. And you're going to be making way for the capstone. Okay, so Joshua, it's the branch for Zerubbabel, it's the capstone. Both of them talking about Messiah, Messianic language. In the place of the temple that was built and put back to up, Jesus will see that. 400 years later. Talk about encouraging. Both of these prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, are speaking the word of the Lord, but from different perspectives. They're both right. They're both right. There's a principle in the Bible, and I want you to think about this. There's a principle in the Bible. Sorry. It's on the testimony of two or three witnesses a matter is established. Okay? This principle has stood for all time. And I'll get to I'll tell you why. But it's the principle of two or three witnesses a matter is established. There's some Old Testament for that. In the law. There's two witnesses in the law. It says this, Deuteronomy 17.6. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense that may be committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Okay? So there's two witnesses to the two witnesses. And then you get to the New Testament. 
Guess what? There's three witnesses. <laughs> so two or three witnesses, right? Two. I mean, do you see, do you follow me? I'm not big on numerology, but look at this. I think it's like God's just like laughing. Matthew 18, 16. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Then Paul in 2 Corinthians, this will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 1 Timothy 5.19, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Did you notice as we've been going through the prophets, that there's almost always two or three prophets at the same time. Amos and Hosea for Israel. And then they were contemporaries of Isaiah. Zephaniah and Habakkuk, same time. Two witnesses. At the time after the first deportation, you've got Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, three prophets, all witnessing the same thing. Jeremiah in Jerusalem, Ezekiel in Babylon. But they knew of each other, they were contemporaries. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Postazilic, they're all around the same time. You get two or three witnesses. Jesus and John the Baptist. John had to come first because to bear witness, he made way the straight, the way of the Lord, declaring this is the Lamb of God. So you had John and Jesus, the two witnesses. You have Paul and Barnabas. You have Paul and Silas. You have Barnabas and John Mark. You have these two witnesses, two or three witnesses speaking so that a matter is established. See, oh, that's, that's great news, Pastor Mark. I appreciate that. Let me tell you how it plays out in your life. Okay? You know, one of the things that we stress is for marriages to stay together. Especially if there's children. Do you know why? Because if you have a mother and a father together speaking truth to the child, that is a matter of two witnesses establishing Something for your kids. Listen, I know there's a, there's a lot of single parents out there and they struggle. You know why? Because they may be the only voice that's telling them something about Jesus when they have everybody else telling them something else. You know what? Karen was today was talking about when she shared her faith about that. She has the word of God. She has the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's two witnesses. 
especially from a Jewish perspective, then you bring this New Testament, and I don't understand any of this stuff. Guess what? Two witnesses, two or three witnesses, a matter is established. Hey, should I share my faith with other people? Because, you know, sometimes nothing happens. Guess what? You might be the first witness. If you're the first witness, maybe no one's paying attention to you. But that could be leaving the space for a second witness, or a third witness, or a fourth witness. Therefore, the matter could be established in someone's heart. Do, Do you know which witness you are? You don't. So spill the beans, man. Share it, because guess what? It's not up to you to convince somebody to go to heaven. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? Did you hear what Zechariah said? This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The spirit is the one that does the power for conviction. And bring people who want to change or repent in their life. You just got to be faithful and speak it. Even more so. When Jesus was there. Getting baptized. John is there. Jesus gets baptized by John. Even though John's like, you should be baptizing me. Right? He comes up out of the water. I'm not making this up, okay? A voice from heaven. God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit goes and lights on him. Two witnesses. And the matter is established. Guess what? When we pray to God... The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. We also know that the Holy Spirit is around and sometimes utter things that we can't even to God to speak to him on our behalf. So God hears two witnesses, therefore a matter is established. Are you getting it? So keep speaking. Keep witnessing. Keep giving testimony. Whether it's in your family. Whether it's in your neighborhood. Start testifying. It's that important. Do you want a matter established? Do you want someone's life To be established in heaven with God for eternity? Or are you just going to shut your mouth? Don't do it. Remember, it's not up to you for success. It's just up to you to be faithful. The prophets were, whether they were killed or not. Did you know that Zechariah met his demise between the altar and the temple? 
just speaking truth. Do you think he cared? Probably didn't, because he's still speaking the word of the Lord. That's what we need to be doing. So you know what? I love the fact that you have Pastor Jeremy up here speaking truth to you. I love the fact that you have Pastor John speaking truth to you. And I love the fact that I get an opportunity to speak truth to you. All three personalities. All three differences. But one word of God. Same message. This church has a witness. Pastor Don has been that witness before us. And he's still here. Out of two or three witnesses, a matter is established. Isn't that awesome? Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father God, we come before you. Your word is amazing. Father God, help us daily to be your witnesses throughout the world. To speak in truth, to speak in love. Truth and love, two witnesses to you. Therefore, a matter is established. I thank you, Lord, how you plan things. I love the fact that we have a Father. We have a Son. We have a Holy Spirit. The Blessed Trinity who continually bear witness to your glory. Father God, I see it all over in Scripture. The establishment of truth by two or more witnesses. Gosh, we look at Isaiah in the temple in his vision. There's two seraphim for crying out loud. Lord God, help us to be part of the solution rather than the problem. Help us to continue to share your truth, your love to the people who need you so much, so desperately. Help us, Lord, in this endeavor. Go before us. Prepare that ground. Lord God, if it's us to just plant the seed or to water it or to harvest, we don't care, Lord. Help us to be faithful. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.